Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. So the subject line of your email really is, it's the most important part of your email. Uh, oftentimes, marketers spend an inordinate amount of time developing creative and making it look all pretty and they get legal approval and compliance and all this stuff and they spend like no time on the subject line. And if you use the latest best practices, the things that are trending, the little tips and tricks, you can radically change your performance by doing something that costs you no money to do, which is change your subject line. So that's why I'm passionate about it because something so little can have such a big impact on whether or not you know you get you know, your campaigns are successful. What's up, Jay? Welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I want to get started and give everybody a little background. How did you get into marketing? Yeah, so I literally grew up around this the kitchen table. My folks had a small direct mail business in our garage. And I just thought it was normal to at the dinner table every night to talk about, you know, marketing. And this was, you know, in the eighties and early nineties. And uh, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea that you can spend money on marketing and then you, you earn money back and you could figure out how to play with that math. And I just became passionate about marketing in general. So that's how I kind of fell into it. That is actually a cool story. I mean, we'll can dig into that some other time, but like yeah. that your parents were direct mail marketers and that was like the OG of marketing of direct <laughs> mail. So it's like, uh, to be honest, like that's why I always tell people to study direct mail marketers. Cause if you think about like back in the day, how you had to send a mailer out and they have to do send something back to you and you have to convince them so hard to like, go mail something back to you instead of now it's like, go to this website. It's so much easier. But like back in the day, it's like, let's mail something back to you. Or like, I need to walk through the snow to my mailbox to go mail this because I want this offer so badly. Yeah. It's such a crapshoot direct mail because unlike digital, first of all, you're, you're hoping you get a 1% response rate in direct mail. That's a win, right? That means you did well. So one out of a hundred, but in direct mail, you have to spend a boatload of money on printing, on postage, and all this stuff. So if you swing and miss on direct mail, you've spent a lot of money. If you swing and miss on an email campaign or, or a digital campaign, it's like, all right, on to the next. So the direct mail marketers are really like, they really had to be confident in their test ideas. It was a whole different animal. Still is. Yeah, that's a, another subject. But I want to dig into the subject that yeah. you are yeah. known for and that subject lines. And I wanted to start with how do you, think about the subject line of an email. What what goes into that? What is the thought process behind that? So the subject line of your email really is, it's the most important part of your email. Uh, oftentimes, marketers spend an inordinate amount of time developing creative and making it look all pretty and they get legal approval and compliance and all this stuff and they spend like no time on the subject line. But the subject line is going to be the thing that determines whether or not somebody opens it or not. And there's so much that you could do in that small space. And the thing I love about your inbox in general, but your subject line is we all have equal real estate. I don't care if you're Amazon or Microsoft or the NFL or anybody, or you're a little guy, just starting your own business. We all have that same real estate in the inbox and that subject line, we all have the same size to mess around with. So it's an opportunity to be on equal footing 
And if you use the latest best practices, the things that are trending, the little tips and tricks, you can radically change your performance by doing something that costs you no money to do, which is change your subject line. So that's why I'm passionate about it because something so little can have such a big impact on whether or not, you know, you get you know, your campaigns are successful. If you had a top five tips of things that could someone could do today to change a subject line that would increase your opens based on things that you've seen, what would those be? Yeah. So I'd say the two most important things to always think about conveying your subject line are urgency and exclusivity. So urgency, meaning, you know, two days left, last chance, 12 hours left, today only, don't miss out. People don't want the thing that's going to always be there. In general, they want the thing that may be going away. So having urgency in your subject line and having it be the immediate thing that you're talking about is going to be the number one factor in whether or not somebody engages with that email. Now, a lot of times you may not have an offer. That's not, there's no urgency. It doesn't really come to an end. But even saying things like hurry or don't miss out, which is more of like a subtle urgency, it creates that. And it's all about the subconscious, right? It creates that, that moment where the person says, Oh, I'm going to open it up. The other piece is exclusivity. Nobody wants something that's for everybody, right? They want to open the thing that they think is for them. So if you're a business marketer and you put in the subject line, you know, just for CFOs, for HR professionals only, or if you are targeting new homeowners, this is for new homeowners. This is for small business owners. This is just for our favorite customers. This is just for you. Anything that you can say in that subject line, letting the recipient know that this email is not for everybody. It's for you, even though we all know in our minds, of course, it's going out to everybody. That idea of exclusivity and the idea of urgency, they radically change what your open rate is. And that's what you're trying to increase all the time. How important is it to make sure that what you're conveying in the subject line and the content in the email are matching up? Because some people use this tactic, like don't miss out. And then in the email, it's like, what am I not missing out on? Or like, they'll say only for marketers. And it's like, just a generic email. It's like, how do you connect the two dots of having this great subject line and then making sure that people next time will come on open your email because you didn't just bait and switch them? Yeah, well, 100%, you got to be, you know, your subject line's got to be lockstep with your content. There's no doubt about it. And you also need to have an arsenal of different tactics that you do, right? So if you say, you know, this is the most important whatever, right? Or this is just for marketers. You can't do that same tactic every time, even if it worked, right? In subject lines, you need an arsenal of like 15 different things that will generate that interest. And you pull them out depending on, on, on you know, what your content is. I mean, obviously, if you're sending out a newsletter, you're not going to have that sense of urgency. So there's different tactics that I do in my subject line, you know, to get a newsletter open versus an offer. And if you have an offer and it's a one day offer, then yeah, you're going to want to push that urgency really hard. So it really depends on what's inside the email and then deciding which one of the things in your arsenal you want to use, but you never, you only get so many chances. And then the person would be like, you're full of it. I'm done with your emails. So you want them to line up or else forget it. You're done. So with the subject line, how important is it to 
create subject lines for different segmentations? Is it one subject line for your whole list or are you creating multiple lists with different subject lines? I'm a huge believer in segmentation. And the first type of segmentation is at the engagement level. You know, a really interesting stat is that if someone hasn't opened or clicked one of your emails in a 30-day period, okay, there's a 70% chance they'll never open up one of your emails ever again. A lot of people think of re-engagement with email starts at like six months if they haven't engaged or 12 months, which is totally ridiculous. I mean, that's like those people are almost dead to you. And the reason I say that is it's really important to segregate out those people that are engaging, people are opening, clicking, and reading your your email content versus those people that are not. Uh, the people that are engaging with your content, they're into you. You Not only in your subject line, but even in your emails, you'd be more verbose. You could have bigger paragraphs, more words, more things. The people that have, after 30 days, have not been opening or clicking on your emails, those subject lines need to be a bit more aggressive. You know, they have to be a win back strategy in those subject lines. Like, where have you gone? We miss you. This is just for you. Come on back things that are going to get people re-excited about your brand. This is something just for you. We want you back. So segmenting out your audience on their engagement is the first segmentation and probably the most important segmentation that you're going to want to do. What are some of the greatest challenges you're seeing with the inbox today, whether it's a technical challenge or not algorithm, but inbox are changing how they're they're working, challenge. What are some things that you... I tend to, there's two things. One is there's a myth around how much email you can send. And marketers tend to fall into this trap where they think that if they send less, that it's going to make people more excited about their emails and that they're going to have the greater ability of staying in the inbox. The irony is you're probably not sending enough email. I know that that sounds ridiculous. And the reason I say you're not sending enough is the way marketers stay in the inbox is based on how much how much opens and clicks that they're generating, what their engagement is. If you're not sending enough to your database, and of course it has to be relevant, has to be good stuff, but if you're not sending enough, you're not generating enough opens and clicks in aggregate to actually stay in the inbox. So you're not going to win by sending less. You need to figure out more content that you could send, great stuff that you can send, but you need to be sending more because that's how you stay in the inbox. And people also chase their tail in the junk folder. 20% of all email for all marketers will go in the junk folder. It doesn't matter who you are. There's burps in the internet. There's things that happen. So sometimes marketers think, oh, I put the word free in the subject line. I used an emoji in the subject line. I did this, that, or whatever. And that's the reason I went in the junk folder. And that could not be further from the truth. You don't get filtered. And I think this is the other big thing that marketers get confused by that holds back their performance. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when we were using like Earthlink accounts and AOL accounts and all this stuff, you used to get filtered. You used to go to the junk folder because you wrote the word free in the subject line or use an exclamation point or you capitalized the word. Content filtering went away. You're now filtered. You go in the junk folder, the spam folder, because of your technical sending reputation. So this idea that there's spam trigger words like the word free or that you can't use an emoji or that you can't capitalize or use brackets, it couldn't be further from the truth. And so I think marketers face two battles. One is they believe stuff they read online, which you never should, right? That you can't use certain words or certain things in the subject line. That's holding them back. And the other thing that's holding them back is 
uh, a misunderstanding of why it is they're going to the junk folder. And this idea that, that they're sending too much when in reality, they're probably just not sending enough. One thing that I heard that was pretty interesting, some, I heard someone saying it, I forgot, is that like sometimes like sending more emails, the goal isn't always to get an open. The goal is just for you as a person or brand to stay top of mind. So like, oh, I see Daniel Murray again, or I see um, subjectline.com again. And it's it keeps that repetition in their brain that, hey, I know who subject line is as well. So like sometimes the, the goal of an email doesn't always like you're actually doing something, even if someone didn't open it because they saw your name, maybe they just didn't have time or they, they went too fast. If you see my inbox is like a thousand unread emails. It's not like intentional that I don't open all of them. It's just like, I don't get to all my emails. So, but I might see your name pop up in my inbox and then not remember to open. 150% that little bit of branding matters because that next time they get it, it may be that they're still interested in your staying top of mind for them. And, and that's what matters, right? People think marketers think that recipients care about them, that they're thinking about, Oh, I got an email from this company today and I got another one yesterday. That's not cool. That never happens in anybody's brain. No one's thinking about you, right? They're thinking about themselves, you know, how they're going to make dinner, right? So you staying top of mind, staying in that inbox is critical. And they may not open today, but maybe they'll open tomorrow or the next day. So it, it it's critical to keep on sending. And of course, you've got to be relevant. That goes without saying. So if you send once a week, like they'll only see you once a week. And if they miss you that once a week, then the next time they pop in mind is another week. And then they just totally forget that you even exist because you, and that, that happens with a lot of emails. It's the two reasons why I think I don't open emails is one is the the couple that I've opened have not been relevant or interesting or helpful to me as a person or a consumer, or that I just didn't remember that like I even was a part of this list because it's been sent once a month to me and I'm That's like, right. Oh, why, why did I get this email? Uh, right. A hundred percent. And the other trap that markers fall into, they go, well, I don't like it when I get that many emails from somebody, you know, and they, they internalize and say, well, I don't like it when X, Y, and Z brand sends me that many emails, you know, it upsets me. And then I turn back to them and say, well, did you unsubscribe? No, I didn't unsubscribe. Right. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, if people want to unsubscribe, great. I always think it's funny about unsubscribes. It's like, do you think somebody's on the fence and they're like, should I be a customer or should I unsubscribe? That's not the fence that they're on. They're like having a bad day and they're like, I never care about this person's emails. I'm taking myself off of seven lists and that's one of them. And it's not like they were going to become this amazing customer, but they decided to unsubscribe. So it's okay to get unsubscribes. Uh, get people off your list that aren't a good fit for your content and what you're doing, but continue to send out more. When you go back to your inbox, you'll see the most successful marketers are also the most frequent senders. There is a direct correlation between the two. It's the same with social media too. It's the best people on social. If you look at the ones that are scaling their accounts fast are on, let's say Instagram, I'm posting five times a day on Twitter. They're posting four times a day they're posting maybe one or two times a day on linkedin like it's like 
they just know they would post like, more. They would post more if it wasn't for algorithms, right? And there's yeah. no algorithm in email. They would probably post 20 times a day. And the point also is that like when you send less, there's less learnings you can get from sending less. Like, That's 100% right. Yeah. Like the more you send, the more you can learn, oh, is my subject line good? Is my, should I change the sender? Should I change the content? Like people, and you can also get feedback from your audience to see like, hey, I don't like this email or this. But if you only send every two weeks, it's hard to gather feedback and data because it's like, this is the one thing, I, a marketing data in general that I think is a, a, like people like will look back at last year and be like, okay, last year I did this and this. But like a lot of time, like even during the pandemic, like like November in the pandemic was different than a November now. And it's a different, it was a different time. It was a different period. So you'd be comparing like what the state of the world was then to the state of the world. Sometimes it, it helps to look, but it's just like the state of the world then versus say, well, now like, why aren't we up? Why aren't we down? Like, they just don't think about it like that. It's like, what I'm trying to say is like, a lot of times data is is flawed when you like look at it like once every month. You have to get repetitive data in quicker time periods to get better results. Yeah, and things are literally always changing. And the funny thing about email, they'll say, people say it's legacy, it's old. I always laugh when people say email doesn't work for me. Email doesn't work for you because you're probably not putting in the energy into to using whatever tactics and, and little things that can be done. And that, it just frustrates me. And email's always changing. Even just the words that you put in the subject line, it changes. This time last year, we were saying different words than what we're saying now in terms of what is really resonating with people. And just constantly, you can't just rely on what you did five years ago. It doesn't work that way. Even though email feels like it's an old channel, still new tactics every single day of the week. What is a marketing hill you would die on? Really to focus on not believing best practices in email when you see them or, or read them or hear about them. The vast majority, and this may apply to other channels as well, but the vast majority of best practices that are promoted by quote-unquote experts is based on really old information and people are lazy and it's just not true. Things like you can put an emoji in the subject line and it's going to do really well. I don't care if you're a business marketer or a consumer marketer, it'll do well. You can use capitalization. You're not going to go in the junk folder and it will help. It will do really well. You could say the word free. You're not going to go in the junk folder because of that. There's so much old misinformation and I get beat up all the time for saying that, but it's true. And so learn from yourself, test it yourself. Go look at your own inbox, find out your own metrics, and don't rely on the garbage that is out there that's based on data from 15 years ago. So I, I think I would live on that hill and be okay with it. My thing about the word best practice is that it took a while to get to become a best practice. So that inherently makes it old. old. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old thing. Because like if the things that are working now are things that are being tested and are right. being tried. Obviously there are some good best practices, like fundamentals of like a good email or fundamentals of this. But what I'm saying, like some of the, the quick witted, like quick tips and advice, like, and then also when it becomes a best practice, that means more people are going to do it. So that means you're not going to stand out in the sea of sameness of the whole inbox. So that's why you like test your own things, figure out your own things, because if, 
a thousand other marketers are doing exactly what that best practice is, you're not going to stand out. It's just totally. the facts about it. And be okay with it not working. I always kind of look at, you know, testing any type of marketing, like being a baseball player, right? If you're a baseball player and you get three hits out of every 10 times you go up to the plate, you're going to the Hall of Fame, right? And you're failing seven out of 10 times. That is not just email marketing, but that's marketing. I mean, if, if, if we put out 10 ideas on this discussion and you test them all and three of them work, that's awesome, right? You have three new things you could be using that's going to work for you because, because ideas that are out there called best practices or whatever you want to call them. There's too many variables, your brand, the timing, your database, who knows what, right? It's not going to work for everybody. So you test it. Some will work, some won't. And really get comfortable with the idea that a lot of stuff won't work. And that's more than okay. What is something that you're seeing right now, a trend that marketers should jump on? Well, I mean, I'll give you some really small trends that seem to do really well right now. Uh, One of them is this idea of, of 101. We're seeing that a lot. In subject lines right now, it's doing really well. What I mean by 101 is when I say to you, you know, the 101 on podcast, uh, the 101 on holiday shopping, the 101 on anything, it says to you that this is the basics that I need to know. And we've seen 101 be a surging thing in subject lines, mentioning in subject lines. Uh, and the reason being is a lot of people basically feel inadequate on a lot of topics, right? They don't know what they're presenting themselves that they should know. Like, let's say you're a small business owner and I send you an email says, this is the one-on-one on growing your small business, right? Or this is the one-on-one on how to do invoicing. You're like, oh, uh-oh, I'm a small business owner. I'm supposed to know how to do invoicing, but I really don't. I tell people I do, I don't. This one-on-one in the subject lines right now is lifting open rates massively. And I think this is just why I just want to like make an asterisk of this. Like it's probably working well for us people because like one-on-one is like a a term that is used in colleges for a basic entry level course. But like us, like if you're in Australia right now or Britain, like figure out what the one-on-one meaning like the entry level classes in your area and test that out. I just wanted to preface that because I just know that like I've said stuff like, like made a joke, like, we should teach this and put numbers and people are like, what are the numbers and next there? So I just wanted to preface that. Yeah, no, no, that's an excellent point. You know, speaking of numbers, that's another thing that people don't really use enough. Starting your subject line with a number gives you uh, a significant increase in performance. And like the littlest things in email make a difference, right? There's no one thing you're going to do that's going to change everything. What do I mean by that? Some of the stuff that works the best in email marketing are lists, any marketer, consumer marketer, business marketer, you can make a list of anything. You know, the seven most important things you need to know about whatever, the seven worst whatever, the 11 biggest whatever, any kind of a list that you could take your content and turn it into, that is the most consumed type of content that exists in terms of email marketing right now. It's generating the highest open rates, any kind of list content. The crazy thing is, and how, how, how small you have to think of in terms of testing, when we see marketers promote a list of anything, if the number ends in a five or a zero, if it's a round number, it does worse than if it is a non-round number. If it's seven, 11, 14, that will do better than 10, 15, or 20. Why that is, it seems more real, it seems more authentic, but as marketers, that's exciting stuff, right? The the littlest thing can have a significant impact in terms of your performance. So testing all of this, you know, that's the fun part. 
the one copywriting tip I always tell people is like specific sell better than generalities. So like, it's better to say like, I have 10,343 people on my list than, oh, I have 10,000 plus. Like, cause 10,000 plus seems like kind of like, oh, you're just saying you have 10,000 plus. But if you go to a really exact number, people are like, why would they say the exact number? Like they wouldn't like lie about an exact number. Like, um, and it's like, it works all the time. Specificity is like the secret sauce of really not just email marketing, social posts, anything, especially in your call to action buttons. And we see that on landing pages and we see it in emails as well. If you have a, a call to action button and let's say you're promoting, I don't know, free trial of a piece of software, you could either have it say free trial, you could have it say register, or you could have it be really specific and say, start my free 30 day free trial. The more specific that you are, to your point, in that call to action button, whether it's in your email or on your destination page, the, the, the closer you can get to the actual details of the offer, you see a massive increase in actual click-through rate or submission rate when you're that much more specific. Oh, that's a great tip. And I've seen it. It's like, um, I think I saw Harry Dry, a marketing example, say this, but it's the difference between like call to value versus call to right. action. Call to yeah, value I love that. Like, like call to value is like, what value am I getting out of this click? And then call to action is just like request a demo. Like you, yeah. it's an action that you'll take if you click this this button. Yeah, I always think it's weird that like the word submit got into the vernacular of, of all of our websites. I just think it's the worst word in America, like or the world for that matter. Like you have to click a button that says submit. Like that's. You're like submitting to like a company. It's just weird. I hate that word. Like you have to click the word submit. It's just weird. you know what's also a funny word now that people don't think about is the word click. Like right. you don't click on like your phone. Click on anything. You tap <laughs> on your phone or like right. some people don't even have a mouse anymore, so you don't click. Like uh, right, right. So that's a fun, funny word. It's too. weird. If someone's like starting out their marketing career today, and you would give them a piece of advice that they would come back a few years later and thank you for, what would that be? There's a saying I always have stuck in my head that perfection is the enemy of progress, right? I, it's always stuck in my head. And the reason I say that is, you know, marketers, whether they're starting a newsletter or they're even just trying to make their own, you know, LinkedIn page or they want to email out to somebody to get a job or 85 other things that they want to do. They think it has to be perfect, whatever they're putting together. They're like, oh my God, I got to read this 75 more times. It has to be the best. I can't, whatever. And that, that holds you back. Just do the thing. Reach out to the person. Reach out to everybody. Do everything. And you know what? If you epically fail, that's fine too. In failure, you will find a lot of great information. So don't try to be uh, the perfect version of yourself because you're wasting an incredible amount of time. You know, that's what I always feel like. I feel like every day I wake up, I'm racing against the clock to get everything done I want to do. And don't waste time. Just do it. And who cares if it, if it doesn't go well? It's okay. There's always tomorrow. Yeah. And if you do it, you learn faster. That's always. So that's like, you could write the perfect. And also, like, I always say to people, like, especially in marketing, like, let the audience decide if it's good or not. Like, you're not the end-all be-all decision maker or your marketing team is not the end -all. Like your audiences should decide if that piece of content you put out is good or not. Like, and if you work on it forever and you think this is perfect, like you're not giving the time for the audience to give you feedback that it's good. 
something that has changed in the last few years, especially because of the pandemic, be real. I have found personally that the more transparent I could be and share like personal things in my own life, the more I engage with other people. Everybody tries to uh, have content out there that's picture perfect, designed beautifully, but that's not the world that we're in anymore. We're in this world, and even the word authentic is cheesy. It's like, just be real. Be who you are. Let people see you, and you're going to find that you're going to really be able to build your network and build your career a lot faster. Uh, last thing I have for you is where could people find you? Anything fun going on? I'm not the most fun guy, but that's okay. Uh, subjectline.com is a free site that we have out there. Uh, you can go there and check your subject line for free, and we give you a grade on how good or bad it is instantly. And we've checked about 15 million subject lines there. And uh, connect me on LinkedIn because I love putting out lots of fun content. And um, yeah, that's my world. So I uh, appreciate you know appreciate the conversation. Yeah, super. Thanks for joining. This has been super insightful. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.